I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat? A-hole. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we're going to be taking a retro ramble on the 1999 film, the sci-fi classic that is The Matrix, brought to us by the which 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 Wachowskis. Thank you, George. I'm going to need you to do that every time, by the way. Featuring the man of the moment, Keanu Reeves. He's so hot right now. Oh God, yeah, Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne I think he was yeah Lawrence Fishburne not Larry Fishburne it's way way after he Joey Pants Joey Pants um, and of course Hugo Weaving so we will be taking the usual trip down memory lane we'll be discussing some first memories uh, what this film means to us its influence on Hollywood blockbuster cinema as a whole and martial arts sci-fi films yeah even uh, foreign cinema and also, it is 20 years old today. So Would you ruddy believe it? Yes. Yeah, so hope that doesn't make you feel too old. But there is talk of a Matrix 4 potentially in the works. We don't know. But there will be showings of the re-releasing it in 4K. There's yes. Looking for- to, to celebrate its 20th anniversary. So we thought, what, a, what better time to go back and revisit this classic? So if you listen to our episodes before, you pretty much know what to expect. It's this George and I are brothers. Um, we go back, we take a look at the films. But before we go any further, here's a quick disclaimer from George on what to expect if you haven't listened before. A word of warning. We are film lovers. We are not film professionals. So what we, we do in these podcasts is, I say, we take a look back at these films that we grew up with and have uh, enjoyed over the years. We check and see, do they still hold up? Why they've been so influential? What makes them so good? What might have dated them? And yeah, we just have a, ultimately, we have a bit of fun with them. We treat them like an old friend. So sometimes we reminisce, sometimes we take the piss. And on that note, uh, as Charlie and I are quite immature uh, At times, we can be serious. That's true, that's true. Well, but no, we, we, we're referring to films of our youth. We were youthful when we watched them, more youthful than we are today. Certainly. We obviously have a little bit of fun with them, and we've watched these films. We are picking films that we have watched a lot. George and I are film fans. We come from the northeast of England with bad weather, so we spent a lot of time on the sofa just watching these films, consuming them. They were This was pre-internet. The internet had only really was just coming to fruition when this film came Still out. Still had so, dial-up then. Yeah. And this is one of the closest to present-day films that we've done. We've been spending a lot of time in the 80s and 90s. Uh, this was 1999. Uh, the internet was a thing. And so this is the closest to the future slash present day we've we've been on retro ramble yeah but yes ultimately we we are going to be going into this film in detail so there will be spoilers from the off as you've noticed already there will be some colorful language so be mindful if you have children around or people with with small ears tiny minds i didn't say fuck or bugger did you uh not recently I say it's a light-hearted look at these films, but we do aim to add some tidbits of trivia as well, so you might learn something new. About that is the films. idea, yeah. I mean, we have done some research into this, and we've got a lot to add, we've got our opinions, but this is supposed to inspire you to go back and watch these films again. Exactly. So, take the red pill, take the blue pill, just sit back, relax. Take a bunch of pills, who cares? <laughs> it's time for us to go back to the Matrix, so enjoy.
Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? It's the question that drives us, Neo. What is the Matrix? It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. You are a slave born into a prison for your mind. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. So you're here to save the world. It seems that you've been living two lives. I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips of them and hit nothing but air. Everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. So do you need guns? Lots of guns. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Mr. Anders. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. So, George, as I always ask you, how did we get this Where amazing... Where are we? When are we? And why are you naked? No, how did we get this amazing film that is The, Ma- the Matrix from the lesser known at this point? I don't think they've done much, the Wachowskis. Yeah, so this this came out summer of 99. Was was a big summer for, for blockbuster cinema. The main reason being everyone was super excited about Star Wars Episode One. Such high Man. hopes. Such, Such high, high hopes. hopes. Yeah. But yeah, there was also some other, um, you know, obviously yeah, The Matrix came out. Uh, the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie, which was a lot of fun. I remember you and I having a lot of fun watching that. So yeah. Wasn't the- this uh, Austin Powers 2 as well? Yes, it was. I think, yeah, Austin Powers 2 is 99. I love that film. 99, I think, was a good year for for sort of blockbustery, I say, cinema. I'm sure there'll be... I'm surprised we haven't got to it sooner. I mean, obviously, we did Blade, which was 98. We've done MI2, which was 2000. Yeah. But, yeah. This wasn't just the the birth of The Matrix. It was DVDs. We were talking about this earlier. If you want to put a finger on where we were back at this point, DVDs had just hit... Well, yeah, it, it's quite funny because I think, in terms of first memories, whilst my memories of seeing this at the cinema were quite um, a little bit hazy uh, for various reasons, um, I remember watching this on video uh, for the first time and being blown all over again. I forgot how much of a complicated story in terms of the philosophy behind it, but I think that was the last video that I probably owned. I, I think we had a very similar relationship regarding that because I just remember, I think I mentioned this on podcast before about my collection had really got to the hundreds point when I was having to move flats every year for university. Mm. And I just remember this being is like DVDs are so much lighter, but yeah, this was one of the last VHS that I remember buying and and then I very quickly, because, you know, these were quite expensive purchases for a student back then. Yeah, it was so, like 20 could ago. Yeah, so to get that, and then I think maybe six months later, I bought it on DVD as well. Um, and at the time, DVDs weren't as abundant. You know, they were quite limited releases. Not everything. It took years for, for everything to become available on DVD. And there's some stuff that ne- never got onto DVD. It's it's weird. So, you know, if you think And there's about some it, stuff that should have never gone should have never <laughs> onto made. DVD. But yeah, if you think about it, you're obviously always going to start from, from nothing. But there wasn't that 
it was only the new releases at that time were getting the released onto DVD. You wouldn't get it. Took a while for the the more older stuff to be upgraded. But I, as I, I confess to George, I did actually for a very sad amount of time had no other choice but to watch The Matrix on my PC with PC speakers because uh, it was the only DVD drive I had. But that was very short lived because lo and behold, the PlayStation Two offered a DVD player. Um, but yeah, so that was it. Was and that, that's what I remember this time being uh, having no money lots of hangovers spent blowing my mind watching the matrix to look, whoa mm. reality bender yeah so I, I mean that's that's what it is for me it's and yeah it was it was very much a and I, I do like using this term on this podcast very much a cultural zeitgeist you know it did seem to I think as I say everyone something for everyone everyone was massively hyped for for Star Wars, but if anything, I think this the Matrix was was a sleeper hit that came out of nowhere and just blew everyone away. And yeah, well, we've had that recently, haven't we, with some of the blockbusters? Where I, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm talking about Fallout here, but maybe it was Rogue Nate. Yeah, it was Fallout. I think there was so many other big films, big films coming out, and Fallout was quite late into the realm. It's like it's actually one of the best films of the year. Yeah, and I think it was actually helped by the fact that people had had all of this hype and stuff thrown at other films yeah and i think matrix was quite similar in that respect well that's it i mean especially in this sort of internet era of you know scrutiny and and things like that it is a uh, a rarity for films to be especially you know uh relatively big budget films to be sleeper hits but yeah and just in terms of how this came around so yeah this is um by the wachowskis and I didn't know this until I was doing my research, but um, I was familiar they had done a, a film previous to this called Bound uh, that was a moderate success. I think um, I remember. It's got that girl who's in the getaway. It's, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about... It's lesbians that rob a bank or rob, rob gangsters or something. It's, Sounds familiar. I think it, yeah, it was quite popular with a lot of teenage, teenage <laughs> boys for some reason. They had had a an agreement with Warner Brothers, so they they wrote the script for uh, our good friend Sylvester Stallone uh, and Dick Donner film Assassins, oh, was yeah. him versus Antonio Banderas. I like that film. Um, it's quite cheesy, but yeah. So they wrote the script for that, and as part of that script, uh, the quite famous producer Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, he. Um, bought the rights to their other scripts. One was Bound, and the other one was The Matrix as part of that contract. And off the back of Bound being a critical success, they used that momentum to say, well, well, we want to direct our other script, The Matrix. So quite quickly, again, as uh, all things on uh, on Retro Ramble, things, everything is connected. Producer Joel Silver pops up. <laughs> at a party. <laughs> at a party. And he joined the project. So, But even with... Joel Silver and De Bonaventura, who were big producers in Hollywood, on board. Warner Brothers still just didn't have the confidence to. At the time, it was uh, the budget was sixty million. So, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if we're looking about the average summer blockbuster is two hundred, two fifty these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about the Marvel films and yeah. stuff. So, whilst it was a relatively small budget, it was still a lot of money that Warner Brothers weren't comfortable with directing because, I say, these guys had only directed one film. And trying to explain The Matrix in an elevator pitch, I suppose, is going to be tricky. Yeah. Um, So, what they did was they hired a bunch of comic book artists to basically draw a shot-by-shot storyboard 
of the entire film. And once the studio saw the vision that they had in mind... Right, okay. Yeah. You've got to go picture. Especially with some help from Joel Silver. <laughs> well, ex- ex- an explosion and I'm going to get this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, apparently they, the way they sold it into Joel Silver was that they said they wanted to basically make a, a manga-type film for real. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they obviously talked about stuff like Ghost in the Shell, uh, Ninja Scroll, which I'm not familiar with, but they were saying they were the two sort of main... There's a lot visuals. of Ghost in the Shell there, yeah. Yeah, and Akira as well. So, yeah, that was the, the, the main thing that got them on board. But to, uh, to save costs, it was quite um, savvy of Warner Brothers. They shot the film in, in Sydney, in yeah. Australia. So, apparently, I don't know how this works, whether it is just down to location fees or what have you but so yeah the budget was 60 million to, uh, based on it being filmed in australia but if they'd shot it in a, if it was a u.s based production it would have cost around 180 million so i don't know why it's three Probably times contributions to the well you got your tax breaks and and things like that the film actors guild sorry sorry the movie actors um guild. but this due to the success of um of the matrix it would it kind of put Australia as a on the map as a filmmaking hub and quite a few films have been filmed there uh, recently I think a lot of this, the the Star Wars films were moved to Mission Impossible 2 a, a year later Mission Impossible 2 was, I think it was probably still filming around the same time because it was a very long shoot as we, we talked about check out our Mission Impossible episode that was how it sort of it came about in terms of getting as you say getting the green light in terms of getting people on board, and there was a very long list of who's who of who's considered, and obviously I will get to that in our regular feature, coulda, woulda, shoulda. But apparently, all the all the actors and actresses on board were uh, asked to or were required to be able to understand and explain the Matrix. So they were given sort of required reading, uh, psychology and philosophy. So one was uh, sim- simulacra and simulation which is by Jean Bouillard. I think uh, that's uh, my, my best French impression. Evolutionary psychology, uh, out of control. Yeah, so everyone basically had to read these before going in. And Carrie-Anne Moss commented, she said she had difficulty uh, getting her head around it. But apparently one of the reasons that Keanu Reeves was cast in the role because he got the concept and he threw himself into all the reading. So again, it's that sort of, um, I mean, we, we always fight Keanu's corner. Oh, that could be a future. Um, but Keanu Corner. Keanu's Corner. What's Keanu reading this week? I don't know, but we were hot for him. We had frequent love-ins before he became man of the moment. Well, if we just if you go back and check, we've we've we love you. We, yes, <laughs> I mean you know we we have um, we've we've talked about speed, we've talked about Point Break, um, and this was you know another film that kind of sort of regenerated that that interest in in Keanu Reeves. A lot of people give him crap, but yeah, he he got the concept and he he threw himself uh, into the whole thing. What was also unheard of for the scope of this film, and I think that makes it quite different, uh, well, for the time anyway, was in the past with martial arts movies, you've always had a talented martial artist in doing, the film. doing the film. So, you know, if we... Again, we've talked about, you know, Van Damme movies, you know, Jet Li, Jackie Chan. But this is the first time that... Seagal. <laughs> Seagal. Because he's such a well-qualified martial artist, honestly. In- indeed. But, yeah, this was the first time that the um, the the principal actors went through... Three uh, months or... Was it? No, it was uh, four to six months of four training. Four to six months of training, yeah. Um, of of full, full fight training. And it shows. 
You know. Well, because George and I obviously dabbled a little bit with uh, Foxy Boxing, uh, also known as Taekwondo. Kind of around, it was after these films, I wouldn't say it was inspired, but mm. it was around the same when we were young. Um, but w- we can relate to the fact that you actually, you need to build the muscle in the legs to be able to, to pull off the moves. Like, yes, there's wire work in this, but that you actually have jump to... jump around. Yeah, but, but there's the, you have to train for three months mm. to build the muscles in your legs to be able to, to actually manoeuvre, and in your hips... Yeah, that, that's the most important thing. So you can get that knee high enough. Well, the uh, so the, the fight choreography was done by a, a legendary guy called Wu Ping Yung, and he worked on loads of yeah Asian martial arts films. And what he did because he had um, his doubts about whether the actors were up to the task, and he actually let the um, the actors he built sort of their moves around their abilities. Yeah. So apparently, you can see that uh, definitely with Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Put, put, put. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So apparently, it was built. He built on Keanu Reeves' diligence, Lawrence Fishburne's resilience, Hugo Weaving's precision, mm-hmm. and Carrie Ann Moss's feminine grace. Yeah. Some of the fight. I think across the the trilogy, her, some of her fight scenes are 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 the most impressive over time. The the the, the obviously the Smith and, and Neil ones, which we'll get to later, are impressive for other reasons. But you know. Some 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 of her choreography is just it's it, as you say so graceful to watch. Yeah, so I, I think that's it. I think that was another reason why this film sort of blew people's minds. Yeah, there's some really interesting philosophical psychological ideas in there. There's some amazing special effects, but just in terms of the pure fight choreography, seeing you know obviously people like you know Carrie Ann Moss. This was kind of her major sort of film debut she i think she'd done a bit of tv beforehand but seeing people like keanu reeves and and lawrence fishburne move around like that on screen is you know it's in, it was insane back yeah. then so should we jump into the film take a retro ramble down memory lane yes let's let's do that So yeah, we talked about it briefly just there. You know, you got the opening scene, which actually, sorry, you mentioned to me that we've seen this cityscape before in a very similar film. Yes. So um, the that rooftop chase where Trinity's being chased by police and by agents uh, across the rooftops was actually, I say this was filmed uh, in Australia, uh, as was the film of a year prior, Dark City, which is another sort of uh, favourite of ours at the time, which deals with very similar themes. Yeah. In terms of a a chosen man controlling... Uh, with develop- through willpower. Yeah. Developing powers and fighting against the system. And being in a fake world. And, yeah, in, a, in an artificial world. So um, if you haven't seen Dark City, we would recommend you check it out. We might cover it at some point. Also, but, if uh, you're a fan of Crystal Maze and you want to see yes, Richard O'Brien. Yes, it, it's got Richard O'Brien. Uh, Rufus Sewell. But Before he went completely hammy villain. Yes. Do uh, love Rufus Sewell. But, um, yeah, so whilst uh, it's, uh, Dark City is you know, sort of quite gothic inspired and uh, the that rooftop trace with Trinity reused some of the sets from Dark City and uh, people have tried to um, accuse the Matrix of ripping off uh, Dark City where it's obviously very aware it was obviously very um, but the fact is the, the Wachowskis have been working on the Matrix idea for over four years so it'd been yeah. in development long before Dark City was I think it's just a a bit like the raid and dread. I think they're just similar ideas that happen to come out around the same time, which 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 tends to happen. And sometimes they're like, "Well, we'll ride on the momentum that the other film is creating." So we'll get two meteor films in one year. We'll get two westerns and things like that. So 
I like the way that it sort of drip feeds the special effects. It seems like, you know, you're introduced, you got cops, you got, you know, jurisdiction, you got the feds turning Jewish up. Jewish mad diction. You've got um, what seems to be a spe- what, what's run of the mill. Yeah, what's yeah. with this? And then suddenly she's running around the wall. You're like, that's a pretty cool trick. And then there's the jump. You know, there's that yeah. first jump and the guy who was the cop whose eyes were seeing through, that's impossible. You yeah. know, so it's all very, you know, she's jumping through the air, but it, it's it's gradual. It's gradual. Yeah. But we're still not really sure what's going on. What's going on. Yeah, whether it is just a hyper-stylized film. Um, but then we get to see um, Mr. Mr. Reeves himself. Mr. Anderson. Who's, uh, who's dreaming in front of a computer. Symbolism. Yeah. Um, and um, it was, you know, we've, we've talked about this in a podcast of the time, you know, being the time, um, a, a glorious f- future where everything was on minidisc. Yeah, we've, we've dreamed of a future uh, where everything was on minidisc. I still dream of a future where everything is on minidisc. I've got some great music on minidisc somewhere. Still, still do. Still got them in a bag. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I, um, I watched this, uh, on Blu-ray f- for the first time and I really, the, that green sort of tint color, st- uh, stands out it, stylized. Yeah, yeah. very, I, I almost, I don't know if it's, if it's the DVD transfer, but it was almost a little too jarring. So essentially when they're in the matrix, everything has a, a green tint. When they're in the real world, everything has a blue tint. Mm-hmm. And apparently when they're in some of the training programs, it has a yellow tint. So it's like yeah. a neutral ground. Um, but the lips look very red and the skin looks whitey green and goth yeah goth 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 goth, goth. Um, but yes we have Keanu doing some uh, basically looking for Morpheus we're not sure why but he's Trinity says to him later on that this that, feels that there's something not right yeah he's been itching something's been eating away at him oh sorry and then away. obviously she starts talking to him through the computer yes yes that's true who's been who's been stealing your thoughts who's been to follow the white rabbit I'm telling he's, you he's, Philip, he's, Philip K. Dick would have loved this film. he's getting messages of significant importance through his toaster a computer just like Philip K. Dick um, and yes we've got some um, you know this film was really ahead of its time it still looks amazing but I, I like the mini discs. There's things that date it, like the the tech metal rave club scene. You've got Prodigy playing, lots of black leather. Um, I still go to clubs like that. You don't? Not not as much these days. Um, one thing I did notice is how young Keanu looks, but he hasn't aged a day, so it doesn't. But he still looks quite. Fr- Maybe it's just the lack of beard. Yeah. No, I think it's there's. Yeah, he's the guy who never ages. You know, but he looks. Like such a dreamboat, it's such a dreamboat, but, and you know it's like they're, they're such a good couple already. I think we should talk about you know in that club when they first meet. She looks amazing, and I hadn't had, I never had a thing for goths, but it's like she is dressed as a goth, but looks just like stunning in every way, and it's her she, delivery. She's and, brilliant in this. When um, yeah, I say I hadn't watched this for a good couple of years, I reckon. Um, and I forgot how good Carrie Ann Moss is. Oh, she holds a lot of the dialogue together. If you think the dialogue that she has with a lot of the major characters throughout and the exposition, the way that she delivers it yeah. and the music and everything, and she's she's essential to this And uh, it made me think, storyline. what has she done for us lately? Apart you know, from Jessica Jones. Yeah, that's. I think that's the most reason. She's good in that. But it's just a shame. I think she was... Obviously, she cropped up in... Well, her and uh, Joe Pantoliano, uh, Joey Pants, turned up in uh, Memento. Memento. Uh, the following year. It sounds cynical to say, but I, I have a feeling she actually just went uh, off and had a family. But um, 
I, th- I think that could yeah. be explained why she might have, you know, a lot of actresses decide to do that. But uh, she's um, a great actress, great in this, and great in Memento as well. Uh, quite but the darker role. well, uh, the uh, the other person that we're introduced quite quickly on, who I think it was the first time that we had discovered him, um, but he was an, est- an established Australian actor, was Mr. Hugo Weaving. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. The delivery, the guy's voice, everything he says. I mean, obviously, we have, me especially, I've watched this film probably more than many other films that I've watched a lot. Um, This ranks up. This is my, you know, you always talk about, you know, after the pub, go to sleep. Post-pub movie. Post-pub movie. This was my go-to because I I didn't have that many DVDs. (laughs) So this, this, X-Men or South Park. So, yeah, this this film, I know this film backwards. I was watching this recently, like as we do in preparation Mm. for this podcast. And I know every line of dialogue and, you know, it just gets better. He is literally chewing the scripts. You know, everything he says is just so well delivered. And it's no surprise that shortly, not shortly after this, but from this film, he has gone on to be, you know, an iconic villain in everything from Captain America to Lord of the Rings to there's too many to mention. Transformers, I think he's the voice of uh, Megatron. (laughs) um, But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, so I think he's a phenomenal actor. And if anything... Slightly typecast? Yeah, a little bit typecast. But yeah, it's, it's amazing that I say he has... You don't see him breaking down in tears in many films. Uh, well, no, but you've uh, interesting. He had some really interesting roles prior to this. So when he was younger. I forget that he was in um, Priscilla, yep. Queen of the Desert, and stuff like that. So it's just like seeing Agent Smith and General Zod and Mike, <laughs> Mike from Neighbors slash Memento all campered up is yeah. uh, is is quite quite jarring. Isn't he in the Bank Manager in an? Os- it's not Young Frankenstein. I want to say is it Young Frankenstein? There's oh, somebody, young, young Einstein. He's young Einstein. I think he's... Because that's Australian. Yeah. And he goes to the bank for some reason. And I think mm-hmm. he's the bank manager. I'm okay. pretty sure. It's a very young Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he... As you say, his... his uh, Everything de- he says. His delivery. Morpheus is the most dangerous man alive. And you've got a good record, you... Help your landlady carry out her garbage. Everything. Just, I mean, you could, it's just like, no, we're not going to just quote The Matrix, yeah. but this is how iconic these lines have become. And But he envisages everything. He, but that's it, you know, as you say, he's he's been typecast pretty much as a villain ever since, but he's made such an impression in this film. This has got to be his best role. This is his Darth Vader. You know, this yeah. is the fact that, like James Earl Jones, a lot of it is because of his delivery, of his voice, of his posture. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, my God, Hugo Weaving's in the room. This looks like a serious meeting of elves. Um, you know, it's like you put him in a room and it has that effect, the sort of the James Earl Jones effect. But there's so much more to it. Mm. And the he works well with all of the characters. There's a lot of, uh, throughout this film, there's a lot of one-on-one, you know, yeah. that we that we were talking about this beforehand, that as, we'll, as we move through this film, there's a lot of, you know, Neo and Trinity. And then, you know, we're moving into this area where, uh, it's Neo and Agent Smith. Yeah. And then, obviously, he's going to be captured and then rescued, and then it's going to be Neo meets Morpheus. There's a lot of this. Hello, in- Neo. <laughs> and Morpheus is... <laughs> we are-, are we quoting this film too much? No, I, the, the, I know we are quoting this a lot, but there's a brilliant bit where just, like, I think the agents are coming for, for Neo, and he's on the phone to Morpheus, and he's like, shit, shit, shit. And, <laughs> and Morpheus just goes, yes. <laughs> that scene is so brilliantly done. The choreography of him having to get out of an office. And there's a lot of jokes I can relate to, because I just, I think... 
for future we're talking about you know the age I was at I was university and then I was working and so this film was very close to me through that time mm. and I was actually working in Did a- didn't you have the matrix flip down phone banana phone maybe um, to be exact I didn't have the one that's in the phone I had the one that Nokia released after the phone came out it was the uh, first WAP WAP phone okay. um, which that's was mobile internet kids wireless B- before access. 3G yeah before, before 2G two, it was 2 I think it was 1G was it 1.5G anyway it was slow and you couldn't book cinema tickets you couldn't watch football highlights even though they told you you could but yeah I had that basically you know I wanted to be I wanted to be near but the thing is I was working in an office is selling you know in an IT environment yeah. so in a, almost in a cubicle and could completely relate to this it was a so very you were silently hoping that Lawrence Fishburne would just call you up one day I wanted the and FedEx guy to come in and I could open it up and the, for it yeah. to ring um, so no that, that's a great bit of the fact that if you were being guided you could actually it's almost a bit like um, a Playstation game isn't it yeah like, go left no, no go now go now or nightmare nightmare <laughs> left and oh, no, I'm sorry I'm going to have to kill you Yeah, put with a bin on your head but it's great bit of tension and there's also a bit of realism because it's like, this is too easy. It's like, he's just going to help you get out. And it's like, no, bringing it back to the real world. Thomas Anderson mm. doesn't have the confidence to d- yet. And it's yeah. about his, his arc to do what Morpheus is saying. So he gets caught, he gets interviewed, he gets... Gets some, that thing put in his belly button. Which is a little bit of a horror. Uh, yeah. yeah, there is a, a little bit squeamish There's a little bit of body horror in there. That's, I think, for me, the only bit of... Also looking back, the only bit of ropey... CGI and that's being yeah, the, the, but that is being the, the Sentinels and the, 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 all the squiddy type things are I, I would say the Sentinels are not actually that bad yeah, I don't know about the copy it's, it's, it's that just that one thing that they put in his in his stomach the mini squid the, the, the trace lo- program yeah, that the, the looks a bit that hasn't dated as well mm. and I say that just putting because we're not really going to talk about it today but I still believe that the effects in this film look better than the second the reloaded film in parts I think it stands I think it stands up better I think there's yeah it's almost because they were trying to do too much there's that scene which is very impressive with all of the Smiths in the second film where you can see it that it's a CGI Neo spinning yeah. around and it takes it looks it's, a bit too rubbery yeah it's a bit jarring but anyway getting back to this um, you know you've got this this brilliant where it's, it's great exposition that we always like to focus on in this that just through this interrogation between Agent Smith and, mm. and, and Anderson that what's going on you know you're finding out a bit, little bit more about Neo's situation sorry Thomas Anderson's yeah. uh, situation about Morpheus and it's like there's the mystery around Morpheus before mm. they actually and then obviously we get the the but, meeting yeah but we are very much uh, and I'm sure you've said you know, you've said this um, previous you know like we talked about in there uh, in big trouble we're looking through Jack Burton's eyes in this we are very much in the same what the hell is yeah, going on yeah the same uh, position as Neo is like we want to know what the matrix do you want to know what the matrix is yes we do yes just just get it get us to it unfortunately no one can be told what the matrix is you have to see it for yourself yeah I mean there is that that whole bit with the uh, that has you know entered popular culture you know uh, god how many memes have you seen with the red pill and blue pill yeah exactly and the thing is it's it's amazing to see that whilst it's big ideas it's very 
confidently shot this film. I think that's what I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because that's what I want to say. Everyone's making these funny memes about I wish I'd taken, and there's the joke in the film, I wish I'd taken the blue pill. The blue pill. Yeah. Um, but it's that shot. It's the fact that you see two Keanos and the, and the two hands in, in the reflected glasses. The very and, cool glasses with no arms. Yeah, there's some really slick uh, cinematography. You know, obviously they... I say they've been quite... The Wachowskis have been quite open on their influences in terms of that manga aesthetic, that sort of a bit Blade Runner-y, like, it's constantly raining. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, the lots of, like, that light reflection, lots of red lights. and Every, What everyone's wearing, even how they hold themselves. I don't know if you've noticed... I'm amazed at Lawrence Fishburne's uh, pose. How do you fold your arms behind your back? That must be quite painful. Folding them like the way he does as well. Um... I don't know if it's if it's me and in terms of like obviously we've consumed a lot of like uh, Joel Silver a lot of Joel no but a lot of the like the trailers but it feels like there's a lot of dialogue that's like trailer esque dialogue like you know sort of fasten your seatbelt Dorothy and yeah. uh, all that sort of type stuff but. I'd, or I don't know if it's just because we've watched this film so many times. I think it's probably because we've watched. I mean, I this 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 film is probably. Getting close to a hundred viewings, I, I think it's. I think I've definitely seen this film fifty times. Oh, um, easily, and that is an obsessive amount. Mm. I mean, that's why I know it so well. And like, I think I even. I don't know if we were talking about this because George and I like to obviously prepare each other for what we're going to be talking about. But when they're in, when they're going in and out of the Matrix, you know, we talked about the filters before, but there's actually a sound that they make. There's a yeah. little sound cue to tell you when they're in the Matrix and to and like an electronic. Yeah, and there's a little there's a little fuzz on the on the camera as well. So yeah, we've picked up everything. So I think, but it's, it's like if you say is, anything so many times, it sounds weird to you. Mm. But it does. Um, it, it it is still quite jarring, especially in this in this sort of second act bit where it's that big reveal of Morpheus, you know, doing that very clever exposition of what's happened. You know, the fact that we're, you know, the humans got to a certain point to where the, the actual real year is 2199. Uh, and we got to a certain point with technology and um, they were not sure, again, a bit Terminator 2-esque in terms of the machines fighting back. They're not sure who struck first. But it's very much, it's jumping back and forth. And it's quite, I suppose it's intentionally, but disorientating. And then... Um, Once again, seeing it as as uh, as Neo is. Yeah, there's that there's that trace program, that, that sort of bad trip. Where yeah, we've all been there in a disused house. You take a pill and suddenly reality starts folding in on itself. <laughs> Something starts crawling up your arm. And it's so cold. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's very, very discontent, like, it's very confusing and makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And then that big reveal where... When Neo wakes up, welcome it, to the real, the, the, the desert of the yeah. real. But when he wakes up in the pod, and I remember, like, it's like, what's going on? Where are we? You know, yeah. what's what, what's happened to Keanu? And <laughs> there's some terrifying imagery, like, and very very powerful imagery, like the the whole the the farms of getting of that tube out of your esophagus. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's all the way down there, and he like you see him pull it out, and the, the whole the thing cables. with seeing the baby with the yeah. like the fluid. There's some really terrifying imagery but it's it's as you were saying um off off air earlier it's you know it's a brilliant concept and i think that's one of the differences between this and and terminate 2 which is obviously one of our favorite films as well is in this instance the machines have a motivation it's not just world domination or, or retaliation or retaliation or superiority 
the fact dependency. that yeah the, the the fact that we've we've blackened the skies um so they turn to humans for you know as as lawrence uh morpheus brilliantly puts it by holding up some lovely product placement of a duracell battery without showing the duracell logo because you'd have to that'll be too blatant yeah you have to let it all go neo fear doubt and disbelief free your mind so yeah it's it's a brilliant concept and i think that's why again that sort of it stands up to repeat viewing so there's a lot to take in and yes obviously there is amazing special effects there's amazing kung fu which brings us on to neo and morpheus are gonna fight morpheus fight neo yeah and what i think just to go back to first memories uh there was some controversy around this film when it first came out about and i think this was the first time i heard about this film was because this was back when films would be released sooner Mm. in the US still back in yeah, 99 yeah. so there'd been this film in the US featuring Keanu Reeves he's wearing a trench coat there was links with certain shootings in the US Columbine. and that was the first I ever heard of The Matrix mm. and then the second thing I saw was on some you remember, do you remember MTV when it did play music mm. it was like it was some sort of there was some sort behind of the scenes behind the things. scenes doc on, on the movie part and it's Morpheus and Neo in in the dress that they're in, in the sort of China, in the Chinese dojo, yeah. in their robes, having a fight. I'm like, what? This can't be the same film. And that was when that piqued my interest. So that was before it had been released here. I wasn't like you consuming all of the film industry knowledge. Just watching the trailer on repeat. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is when you start the world building is complete. You've had him taken out and then we're going back in. This is a training program, mm. you know? So, and then we get what I think is, one of the, I think this is probably one of my favourite fights in 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 the film. I think in in any in, in any film. I mean, just because the music, it's the propeller heads, correct? I think so. Yeah. Uh, the music is amazing. Um, and oh no, propeller heads is the um, that's the lobby scene. The lobby scene. Yeah. So, um, but no, the thing I love about this, and again, uh, you and I have talked about this, and I think it's it's kind of sort of it creeped into when we were doing taekwondo together. But it's all the poses. Yeah. Well, where they, they stop and they will just do a pose. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's completely over the top. Keanu's delivery so cool. of those poses is amazing. When he, because like, you see, there's like a mixture. He's like doing it exactly as you should. Yeah. Like moving his body. But there's also like this thing in his face going, look at this. This yeah. is amazing. And uh, I love the, the fancy footwork that Lawrence Fishburne has yeah. where he just does a quick sort of switching his legs around and stuff. But then you start to see the reality bend, the fact that it suddenly gets very manga-esque in that the knee goes through the floor, that they can run... Th- and, and how fast he can move. Yeah, and then it gets... And you're like, whoa. And, but it's not too long a scene. It could go on and on and on, but we're very quickly taken to the jump program. Um, yeah, the, the woman in the red dress. Yeah, so there's a lot of... And it's like training montage. Yeah. But that that's it's it is very good how they v- very much do that passage of time and in terms of the fact that yeah he wakes up in the pod completely bald no eyebrows um, and they're showing that passage of time of his you know his scars are covering up his hair's growing yeah and you know and the fact that he has to train and get himself up to become this this force of nature. Um, so yeah, we've got some more sort of backstory to the 
the real world so obviously they're on the ship the nebuchadnezzar the you know the there's the the sentinels which i'm not sure is a a reference or homage to the sentinels from the x-men um or it's just a coincidence um who are a killing machine designed with one purpose search and destroy technically two purposes just just gonna put that in there just gonna ruin your day and then that i suppose that um we are jumping towards sort of end of second act with uh cyrus the virus no not that one uh sorry jerry pants um, is willing to tra- trade it all in for the juiciest looking steak you've ever seen. Well, yeah, we're getting more plot. And we're also getting the... Again, uh, jumping the- between real world and and fake worlds is like, whoa, hang on, what's going on? Well, yeah, it's the fact that it's 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 sort of greed, it's the human nature, it's the but devil's how, advocate. How does he load himself into the programme? Uh, well, it has to be on the ne- the Nebuchadnezzar, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you should don't they need the operator? That's that's the weird thing that's, that isn't explained. Never, never somehow, addressed. Yeah, that he somehow, or maybe he he makes a deal. But he, it is it is making a deal. With, it's the very going back to the Christ analogy. There's the making the deal with the devil thing. You know, it's like, yeah. and you'll put me back in. Yep, I don't want to be somebody famous. Is it anything you want? Mm. Yeah, and it's like we just want Morpheus, and whether or not we keep our deal yeah. is uh, well. They obviously they want to get to remember it. nothing. Yeah, they they just want to get into Zion, and you're like, what Zion? Just so, just listen to some Bob Marley. <laughs> Um, so yeah, then we get the, the Oracle scene and I forget the, um, uh, apologies, I, I can't remember the name of the actress playing it, but she's a really good actress with very little sort of dialogue and screen time. Very charismatic. Yeah. Very maternal. And I, think, I think sadly, I think she died halfway through the filming of the sequel. So they sort of all of a sudden replace her with a different actress and they and, uh, and, uh, and, and an inferior actress. And they explain it in yeah. the film. They're like, say, oh, I take many different forms yeah. sort of thing. Because, uh, yeah, I think she's in the second one, but not... Yeah, she's in the second one, but, but not, not the third, third one. one. Yeah, but no, she's... There, again, more iconic dialogue. There is no spoon. Spoon-bending motherfucker. <laughs> Motherfucking spoon lover. Um, so, Are you having a go at Yuri? Yeah, Yuri, who's... Um, Have you turned into Michael Badass? <laughs> I love the... I mean, it's such a minor point, but I love that whole thing of deja vu being... Yeah, a glitch, that's a glitch a, in the Matrix. And, and again... That's, that's become popular... Po- um, lexicon. Yeah. yeah, it is. The, oh, it's a glitch in the Matrix. It's it's funny how so much stuff... Yeah, there is no spoon, glitch in the Matrix. Yeah, if you want to know how big this film is, it's, it's the fact that that has entered public lexicon that people actually say, oh, you know, maybe this is the Matrix. You know, people... Are, it's, it's, become, it's become its own thing now. Yeah, and you see, again, you were talking about memes before you see memes where there's two separate people dressed completely this like identically but aren't together and it's just like oh must be a glitch in the matrix yeah so then yeah we're getting a bit more plot so we, we, more we've plot. got we've got the the double cross the the rat that is cypher and the fact that this meeting with the the oracle and yes this is once again we revisit the philosophical undertones you know know thyself and about chance and the symf- sacrifice sa- well the, bef- but before that it's like you know would have you broken it had i not told you and that's touched on again there's there is the i'd say that's the only really interesting thing about the sequels apart from some amazing kung fu because they do fall apart a little bit um is the philosophy still is quite interesting in that yeah is 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 about the role of fate is that is it free if everything is predetermined 
like if you imagine infinity in time, if everything is predetermined, are you actually in control? Mm. And it's like, well, does it actually matter? And it's it's that thing that they talk about in the second that that free will was a set was the only way to make people feel, accept the program. It, it was real. Was was the was the um, well? That's the thing yeah, that that sort of goes on about the fact that they created a perfect utopia, but people wouldn't accept it. People need misery in their lives to make it feel entire real. Entire fields were lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 true that. But that is a very interesting philosophical question. In that, do we need to have the rough and the smooth? The du- it is the duality of man. So, th- but but before you know it, we've got another action scene. So it's a very good uh, Whether punching through walls. Yeah, Morpheus is is in the corner kicking people. I'm, I'm sorry, I just love the choreography when he's taking on Smith. There is a point where, and this is very visual, he's like, yeah. and he's just kind of like it looks like a bit of a bitch fight. He's yeah. just he's kind of slapping his hands away, but very good choreography. And as we were saying before, playing to his strengths of of what he can deliver, and there is some wire work. There's some yeah, some there, cool is, kicks. there is some wire work before he just sends in the SWAT team to beat this shit out. Yeah, because it's I, I I also getting very much into the minutia, but there is a lovely point in that when the SWAT team come into the room, he takes the first one out, yeah. and then the and then the it's the other guys. It's actually unlike Van Damme. Take him on one at a time. <laughs> um, they all just grab him, and yeah. it's actually quite realistic. So, and then we're very quickly pushed into at three aren't we there's at not three there's- which is very much and i think in terms of when i was looking through the sort of the critical reviews of on release and i think that's where some people felt it like it, it's it, too much yeah it goes overboard on the action and all that sort of philosophy psychology you know allegory gets sort of shunted away for action spectacle but what action spectacle it is can't and- think of you know, we talked about it before. There is Terminator 2 and there is The Matrix. And if you think about sci-fi, mm. sci- sci-fi action film rather than intellectual yeah. sci-fi and other, and space set sci-fi uh, and fantastical sci-fi, these two, you know, set in modern mm. day experiences, there's, I mean, there's the, um, I think our friends over at uh, Exploding Helicopter would have a lot to say about that helicopter going into the building. I love that explosion. Because it's a, it's a weird, it's, one is it, it's an amazing explosion, but two, it's it's showing you what it would look like in the Matrix because yeah. the programs the, the programs yeah. would have to be processing. It's buffering. Yeah, it's buffering. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But again, there's, there's the more iconic dialogue of, well, we have a little bit of the, the switch between the wonderful Hugo Weaving, you know, interrogating Morpheus, you know, some cracking dialogue. I hate this place. It's the smell. Guns, lots of guns, which has been obviously referenced Set. in uh, recently in, in John Wick 3. Line for, line, well, word for word by, word by word Keanu himself. Well, I mean... But no, but they could have played with it. We're, they, they... we're going to, I suppose, we'll, we'll talk about this at the end, but the, obviously, no Matrix, no John Wick 3, uh, no John Wick series, it's, it's yeah. that simple. Um, however, so, um, yeah, you've got the... What one of the scenes, and thank God for DVDs. The the that that lobby scene. How many we times would have that, burned, we would have burnt through the VHS the yeah. amount of times because I that. think we did just skip to that scene so many times on DVD because oh. it's it's such a masterclass and it is a bit like as I say, it's a a bit like a computer game. It's like okay, you've got to get past all these guards to get to the next level. Yeah, and that is when the whole 
the John Woo influences kick in, you know, guns in both hands, diving around, rarely reloading. More propeller heads booming in the background. Yeah, um, but it is just stunning action choreography. So physical and visceral. Everything's exploding. Yeah, it's just all the slabs because they're all getting shot and you just, and there's there's this, it's jumping between, um, you know, Normal, uh, normal, normal pace to you know sped up to slow mo, yeah, and you really get a feel for, and you're seeing both uh, Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss, you know, doing brilliant, and he's going through all of the weapons, and yeah. she's she, she's doing some great moves, but we get to see I, I everything. Mean, my favorite is him doing the um, the cartwheel and then picking up the M16 and shooting people whilst still doing the cartwheel. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and I think. One of the highlights that I'll never forget was playing uh, the Path of Neo on the PlayStation 2 mm. when you get to do that. When you get to go in to that scene as Neo and do the lobby scene yeah. and you actually can do the whole thing. It obviously doesn't look the same. doesn't look the same. But no, a great, a great scene that builds up a lot of tension. And you, I think when you're in the cinema, because we saw this both at least twice, maybe three times at cinema, there was definitely a lot of people breathing out. When they get yeah. into the lift, it's over, because it's... It's, well, it's, a, it's a bit, yeah, it's like that, a sign of, of good action cinema is that relief, that exhaustion. It's a bit like watching The Raid. It's a bit Mission like Impossible. Fury Road, yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible. And our, our good friend, Mr. Wick. Yeah, so we're they're, they're in the lift, they're on the rooftop. We've got... Um, is this yeah this and this is the first time and this would have been like uh, homaged again and again in Shrek and in that was just so, like so a we, year we're, later. We're talking about bullet time now. Yeah, we're talking about the bullet time shots. So one of the most groundbreaking developments in camera work. So according to uh, IMDb, uh, by the middle of two thousand and two, so three years later, the bullet time sequence had been spoofed in over twenty different films. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was spoofed or, or homaged. I mean, if you think about, obviously, um, was it maybe a year or so later? Yeah, two years later, maybe Swordfish, that op- amazing opening with the explosion that's done in bullet time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if that's a homage as to a utilization of the technology that was created. I'd say the homages are the ones where it's bl- where he's well, bending over in the cameras. Because there was well, a lot of scary movie where he does his back in. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so in terms of that, I'm just going to give you a little bit of uh, trivia about this. So um, there was um, apparently the inspiration again was was taken from um, from manga from from Akira, and apparently the effect had been done in some music videos and I think a Gap advert before. So uh, Michelle Gondry, who did uh, oh, yeah. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, very famous French director, uh, yeah, realisateur. and he he uh, he's done a few um, music videos as well so the the effect had been used in that but it never been done with movement so it was just like a almost like 3d still photography yeah so the, the, the camera would pan around but the person wouldn't be moving so usually i think it was on an apple advert as well or it might be a gap where they jump up in the air they freeze and the camera pans around and then yeah they, they, they don't move but so how they did it they they tried actually doing it on a dolly so having a camera on a track moving very quickly and they were just ruining the tracks. They weren't getting the shot. So they actually, it was actually quite uh, clever what they did. They, I mean, you've probably seen because it is one of the most uh, famous special effects shots in history. And I may have watched the extras on the DVD a few times. On your PC. (laughs) Um, Before you put on X-Men or Deep Blue Sea. Oh, we didn't talk about Deep Blue Sea. Um, But yeah, essentially it was... um, 
lots of still cameras in placed in a circle to capture and then they digitally remove all the still cameras yeah. and map in a a Everything. 3D image. So yeah, it's I mean it's it's phenomenal like how um yeah, the level of detail they go in. I mean, there's there there are we'll share links uh, online, but and they're worth watching because it's interesting to see even how much of that is done today. I don't know if you've seen with the recent uh, Avengers Endgame, there was some great footage of the some of the final scenes in that, and there's a lot of stuff that you can tell that there's green screens at the back and there's cameras that are in circles, and yeah. you can tell that they do it that this technology still a lot of it is still being used today. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, I suppose it's all part of that that whole avatar thing of of creating virtual cameras that you can record from any angle in a space you know once you're motion capturing how long is it going to be before we've got those little drones like in blade runner 2049 you know the clicky things that just float and record oh brilliant yeah uh, that's what we need just for making films well 2049 yeah soon enough oh it's nice okay um so yeah i mean it is no surprise that the um the film did win best visual effects so the um the main guy behind the effects is uh, john gator but uh, yeah, up against uh, episode, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, up against uh, episode <laughs> one and, and Lost because obviously yeah, it's the same year. But yeah, as you say, the the well, the, the whole the, the name Bullet Time is, is you know was is, is being coined f- from the Matrix. How did you do that? Do what? You moved like they do. I've never seen anyone move that fast. I think there's some very clever blink and you miss it. Well, it's not it's not that fast, but the fact that he squares off against an agent unloads both of his guns and you see it in real time yes, so you, you see, see the, the agent yeah. go everywhere and he's like uh Trinity yeah. and then we get the slow down version of a beginner's version yeah. of it which is accidental it's brilliantly done phenomenal and he even gets hit he even yes just grazed slightly yeah just just for a little bit um, of realism so then yes Trinity steals a helicopter well she uploads that's another thing complete wish fulfillment I want to know how to uh, fly a helicopter oh quick upload I know how to ride it yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's um, a f- this is a phenomenal bit of um, of of, uh, of action set piece because you've got the helicopter flying through, you've got Neo firing a minigun into the building and destroying I'm, the building. Destroy- I'm still am- amazed how he managed to take out the whole building, but doesn't uh, hit Morpheus. But I suppose he's he is, the one. He is the one. He's Batman. Sorry, um, I mean he's the one. You're seeing there's a brilliant shot from underneath where you're seeing the helicopter blades spinning slow, and you're seeing the bu- the bullets just rain down. It's beautiful. Um, with the rain, with it's, <laughs> well, yeah, it's raining inside. Um, Bloody fire hydrants. Yeah, and then as you, as we we touched on before that that whole explosion where it ripples, it explodes out. I mean that is a good explosion. And don't get me wrong, I love an explosion. And you've got obviously Morpheus, the, the 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 rescue of Morpheus. I, how do they storyboard that? You know, it's like so. Wait a minute. So the helicopter's going down. She jumps well, out. That's it. Yeah. So they so they get Morpheus, and then you're actually seeing a helicopter crash. You're, you're seeing them flying through Sydney. Which is amazing. Again, you know, I think they had to really push to get the permits to to fly through, a, a, you know, a city centre, and then obviously seamlessly cutting it into yeah, him dro- just going to drop you, dropping yeah. Morpheus, and then that whole moment where he shows off, he's the one with that whole. But it's it. I didn't. I don't know about you, but I mean, being honest, there was a lot of this at the time when going to see it at the cinema, and I think there's been the only film I can think 
that's similar to this or two films both by the same director are Inception and Interstellar when people go to see them there's this group who say yeah but did you get it did you get yeah. everything and I have to hold my hands up when it comes to this part of the Matrix that I didn't get that bit you know because it's slowed down I think when you first watch this film the bit the bits where he slowed down I didn't really get the first time round that, was that, he, was, that he was moving super fast I got the fact yeah. because we were so slow-mo so abundant and yeah. you're used to seeing slow-mo I was like oh it's just slow-mo slow what I didn't get and that's what I was making that point about yeah. you, you see how the agent moves yeah. um, is the fact that it's plus all, that doesn't look as good no it, but it's almost like I, I, it would be interesting to see him if you if you saw him do it in real full, time. in real time it would look all sped up and, and, and wrong but I didn't get that uh, it'd, it'd be like um, you know one of those uh, inflatable things at the side of the roadside those yeah, floppy inflatable like people like at car dealerships yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be like that but yeah, so it's it's interesting, and there was a lot of that going on for this film the first time round. There were there were people who were like, oh yeah, I, I got I got everything the first time. It was like, did you really? I'm not sure you you got that bit. So uh, yeah, again, we have got the the well that that fight between Smith and Neo in the in the subway, which is brutal. There's like they're they're slamming each other into into buildings, punching holes out the wall. There's the great finger jab into the throat. That's brilliant. Um, and there's um, there's actually uh, there's a scene where uh, Neo um, piles Agent Smith into uh, into the roof of the subway. Well, that's the closer, isn't it? It's yeah. how he gets away. And so, um, so, yeah, just to give you a bit of reference on... John Wick. So one of the direct, one of the directors of John Wick and the the sole director of John Wick two and three is Chad St- Stileski, Um and he was Keanu Reeves' stunt double for The Matrix. So that's how they got to know each other, uh, and he carried out that that scene where Neo slammed into the because um, it's uh, wire work, um, and apparently he uh, he broke uh, his ribs, knees, and dislocated a shoulder, all so, to give us that iconic. Us that, but, but yeah, as I say, I mean, he's uh, Stileski's been quite open and said, you know, I've learned all my all my tricks, all my filmmaking from working on the Matrix movies, from working, showing the how involved which angles work, what you can yeah, get away and, with, and, what and the in, audience wants to well, see. As you were saying, in terms of the storyboarding, that the fact that they story the the, the Wachowskis had storyboarded everything and they knew their That's action scenes in and out. They weren't. Like, you know, the Bond films are guilty of that they'll get in these acclaimed directors, but then all the action will be done by a second unit. Yeah. It'll be a, a, by a, a stunt team, effectively. Whereas the Wachowskis and Stileski know exactly what they want and how action drives the story forward. Yeah. Rather the, than action for the sake of it. And they're on site and they're like being, and you can see that in, um, did Stileski have uh, Chad, did the Chad? As I think you will now be known. Did he have anything to do with the Atomic Blonde? Was that it's, that's? Uh, I think that's David Leach, who was the co-director of John Wick. So John Wick One was directed by David Leach and Chad Stileski. Right. And I think David Leach has gone on to do Atomic Blonde and Deadpool Two. Yeah, because the fight scenes in very much, you know, you see Charlie's kicking ass. Yeah. Um, but there's the there's there's some fights in that which are very reminiscent, very realistic, very physical. You can you can definitely brutal, th- yeah, br- yeah, brutal fight scenes. Um, but yeah, in terms of it moving the story forward, this is the first time that you know they've always run from the a- agents, and this is the first time he makes a stand. But he makes a stand, but then he has to run. And then, yeah, <laughs> so and then it is that fact that they can't be killed. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the fact he slams them into the wall. He's run over by a train, but then they obviously take another form, another body over, and yeah, run. 
Uh, but I do. I think I remember giggling at the time because, as I say, I was working in IT, working on software, working on your escape, working on my escape from the matrix that I wasn't actually in. No, but I mean, I was I was a sales guy working and working with programmers, and there's just mm. that funny thing. Who are the agents? It's like they're programmers, they're programmers. <laughs> evil, evil programmers. But there's some great um, sort of raised stakes. So you have that flip between the real world of of you know Morpheus and Trinity. They've got out the matrix. But the Sentinels are closing in. They've got the e, you know, hang a hand over the EMP button, whereas Neo's just trying to get to the phone in time. Yeah, and unfortunately for him, you know, it's a phone that Agent Smith knows it all too well. So he gets the jump on him. Again, it took me quite a few viewings to work out it's the same hotel as the opening scene. Yeah, because yeah, I think I think I probably remember because obviously different... seeing it during the day and during yeah. the night, so it was a bit bit confusing. But yeah, and then we get the. Warm, warm, warm. <laughs> uh, a great, a great end to. It's very, I'd say it's a very satisfying end, and it, I think that's why. And obviously, the the music raises up. It goes very orchestral, and yeah, it's triumphant. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a it's a satisfactory end that deserved a better, um, a better, a better sequel because it's so it stands so alone. And you know, mm. I loved seeing Reloaded at the cinema. I mean, I was blown away at the time by the gave you everything you wanted. I still think I think we may get to them in a very shortened version yeah, later th- on. Yeah, I think we will when we've run out of good films. No, yeah, we, we <laughs> probably will. Look, yeah, well, let's not go into in too much detail in case we do approach it. But I think. Yeah, it is very much you know sequelitis of let's bring everyone back, let's raise let's raise the roof in terms of the action scenes, and I think if anything, it just got too bogged down by its own philosophy. You know, there was a whole pretentiousness of the architect, ergo vis a vis concordantly. Uh, that's what I love about the Matrix, how contained it is. Yeah. You know, it's like how you've got the 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 brilliant and yeah, I know some people didn't like it, but the roller coaster ride of Act Two merging into Act Three. All of that action, all piled up, and then there is the fact that he's going to die. You know, he gets yeah. shot, and it's it's all over. And then you've got once again Carrie Ann Moss delivering the final piece of the philosophy is that you are the one, sort of thing. And I was destined to love you. <laughs> one almost loves Neo. Um, yeah, and then you know him standing up, and you get to see the Matrix. Yeah, all you the code, all the code, and that's cool. It's a cool effect. Yeah. And then he basically supermans inside of Agent Smith and he explodes. He explodes and then we've got Neo delivering some some cool lines whilst, you know, that sort of repetition of of the screen, you know, I know who's he talking to? Oh no, he's talking to the agents, isn't he? He's like, I'm coming I'm basically gonna shake your shit up. Yeah. and then yeah, we get Rage Against the Machine. Which has oh, can he play on words? So, um, does that bring us neatly and nicely to coulda, woulda, shoulda? Should we release Jeff and Celine? <laughs> yes, because I may be some time. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Okay, get us cracking. Coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George informs us on actors who, other actors who were considered for the parts but didn't get the roles. So everyone was considered for this, and that's the end of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Is it easier to say who wasn't? Yeah. Holy um, sure missed out. <laughs> so Rob Schneider was considered but didn't get offered. So it's been, um, it's quite well known that uh, Will Smith was offered the role of Neo. Yeah, he's he, come out and about he's, that recently. Yeah, he came out recently on his YouTube channel and he said, 
he didn't understand the concept. He wasn't confident they could pull it off. So he decided to go for the safe option and went and made Wild Wild West. Wicked Wicked Wild Wild West. Um, so apparently um, Johnny Depp was the, the first choice of the Wachowskis for Neo. Warner Brothers wanted Brad Pitt or Val Kilmer. They both said no. And apparently Ewan McGregor was considered for Neo, but he was tied up doing Star Wars yeah. at the same time. Um, so, yeah, apparently it came down to between Johnny Depp and Keanu Reeves. What like, I think Val Kilmer could have done a good job. I mean, he's no Keanu, but it would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, he, he could have done it. Because um, he was doing, what, Batman Forever around this one? No, that was... Uh, Batman Forever was 95. He wouldn't have been in, in as much of his prime. Saint? We're around the same time as yeah, The Saint, I yeah. think. DVDs, yeah. Um, sneaker pimps, 90s. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but apparently when it came down to the two of them, Reeves and Depp, it was um, Keanu who was massively into the con- uh, the concept of it all and the whole philosophy. So I think that's what is... You can't his, kill that man's enthusiasm. <laughs> his enthusiasm. Enthusiasms. Enthusiasm. Um, and apparently, down, De Niro. Apparently for the role of Morpheus... Russell Crowe turned it down. I just didn't get it. I couldn't get past page 42. The world was just not interesting to me. Oh, interesting. Um, Gary Oldman was considered for the role of Morpheus. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, as well as Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, he would have been, well, just beginning his roller coaster ride of film after film after film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and apparently um, a, little, a potential speed reunion that was never meant to be. Uh, yeah, apparently Sandra Bullock was considered for the role of Trinity. But again, I think turned it down because she wasn't uh, convinced not on board not on board I think there are plenty of other I think I read that Leonardo DiCaprio um, ironically said yeah he wasn't he didn't want to be in a special effects movie (laughs) Um, time will tell Leo so yeah that is that's quite a few uh, bizarrely I don't think uh, there was many people considered for Agent Smith, I think. There is. Nobody does Hugo weaving. like Hugo. Um, so, yes, there, that is coulda, woulda, shoulda. Thank you for that, George. Which brings us to suspicious spin-offs. Now, yeah, this is a bit of a funny one because the, the Matrix has been explored in many spin-offs. I mean, yeah, Charlie was talking about we spent a lot of time playing the game, so there was The Path of Neo, which was... That was this, a follow-up. That was a follow-up. But the first one was... The, which Enter tied, the Matrix. Enter the Matrix, which tied into The Matrix Reloaded. Yes. Because um, they even filmed... It was a full multimedia experience. Yeah. So when The Matrix Reloaded came out, there was The Animatrix, which was... Nine short stories inspired by in, shared and ba- universe and base, and they were all essentially spin offs. I, I don't remember uh, all of them, just but I remember rem- the quite scary, creepy ones. Yeah, there, I remember those. And the sexy, sexy ones. There were some very sexy ones. Um, I, I, I am tempted to go back and watch them, but I remember there being a really cool one with Samurais. Yeah. And again, it's sort of, I think it was like how, how far they could bend the rules before. Something weird happened. I think what the most interesting thing about um, the Animatrix is it kind of answers the question that Morpheus and 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 other people from Zion. Uh, it's all of the other searches for potentials because you know they talk about yeah. the potentials and it's about how all of these people in the Matrix start discovering that they can. And there's there's even a very weird one where there's a guy running 
and that's how he breaks out and there's a way that you can get out of it and isn't there something to do with like ghosts that are sort of or is it, I, I, again that might be something that's in the films that the re, a bit like the, the whole reasoning for know, everything Vu, you see uh, vampire, if you, anybody's seen a vampire or a ghost yeah. what you're seeing is uh, is, is the matrix is, so, is, is an old pro, a faded program or something like yeah. that but yeah me what I would I think what's crying out to be made and I don't know what stage they're at with Matrix 4 if it is ever going to be made but I think even just from what's given to us in The Matrix the first film it's crying out for a prequel yeah you know, in terms of the first person who yeah, this uh, person sets that, them free and sets up Zion yeah the person that Morpheus refers to there a long time ago um, I, and that that would be I find would be rather fulfilling you know to yeah. get that if it was done right and I still think ideas for for Hollywood it would work well with an older Morpheus and an older Neo because you could you could just have them playing different different characters yeah there, there's some nice stunt casting you could do there I mean there, there are rumours that Warner Brothers I mean because obviously you know need to make money and let's look at what franchise we have they, they are looking at what they can do with the Matrix there was talk of getting Michael B. Jordan on board because he's so hot right now um, whether the, but they hadn't defined whether he'd be playing maybe a young Morpheus um, so yeah there, there could be potential for that but yeah there's there's so much um, potential for, for spin-offs in this in terms of you know setting the Matrix around the world you know is is it a bit like Dark City? Is the Matrix just one city repeated? Or I mean, I think the, obviously they in the sequels they they you see them in the mountains, isn't that that French? Is it in a castle or something? Yeah. Um, but there's all the different locations you can play with. There's the different abilities that that people all the sort of the, the hacked the, all the cheats essentially. Um, so yeah, I haven't really got a a suspicious spin off of of my own in this. Um, but I mean, part of me wants to know what what the what do the operators do when everyone else is in the matrix having fun? Do they just sit around and play cards, yeah. clean, clean clean their computers? It must be pretty boring for yeah those guys who can't go in who are child of Zion, child of Zion. Um, so yeah, so I hope you've you know hope you've enjoyed us going going through this film and you know it obviously comes from a very deep place of love. Yeah, I mean, as we said, you know, this is a huge... Um, was it you that said, you know, it's effectively our generation Star Wars? Yeah, you, I said you, that. You, I think it is. I think it has you, everything... You, you and I were, whilst we're huge Star Wars fans, were that little bit too young to yeah. watch we didn't see we it missed, We missed them the first time round. We watched them... On home, home video. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was... We were the right age, you know, we were... Well, teenagers, or you were just in your yeah, I was yeah, nineteen, yeah. eighteen, nineteen when this um, came out. And yeah, we we can't sort of state how much this made an impact on Hollywood. Um, the whole fight choreography, the whole what became known as Wirefu, you know, that would go on. You uh, was it Wu Ping Young um, would go on to do all the the wire work for Crouching Tiger, which was a massive art house breaker. And you could argue that that wouldn't have happened. Audiences wouldn't have been so acceptable if it hadn't been for the popularity of The Matrix. As you mentioned before, we wouldn't have John Wick if it hadn't been yeah, for the no, success. No John Wick. And, well, more of the relationship between uh, Chad Stolowski and, uh, and Keanu. Keanu. Uh, obviously, yeah, we talked about your, your other DVD release, X-Men, which yeah. came out a year later. Black Leather, there was some slow-mo and sort of bullet time effects there. I think that had um, another sort of one of our guilty pleasures and 
pre-Batman uh, Christian Bale in Equilibrium. That's yeah, a, great B-movie. That's a great B-movie. Matrix movie. wannabe. It is essentially a Matrix rip-off, but... Um, a world I'm, ruled by Sean Pertwee's head. Yeah, so yeah, check Terrifying. that out. That's got some good action choreography. Gun Carter. Yeah, it's brilliant. So um, the, I'd say... That that film's just very baggy in the middle, but the opening the opening scenes of Gun Carter and the closing scenes are brilliant. Yeah, that's a kind of it's almost like a Matrix spin-off in itself. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean it has and as we've talked about the just the shows the importance of the fact that we're still using key lines of dialogue um for for everyday stuff. So yeah, it's still relevant. I think it's gonna it's too hot a franchise to be ignored. It will pop up, not not sure how and when. Next time, we will be back with... We are jumping back to the 80s for another very influential sci-fi classic that is part man, part machine, all cop, Robocop. Stay out of trouble. Can't wait to do that. Looking forward to that. And we will have a guest. Yes, we are going to have a special guest. Great. So that's something to look forward to. Follow us on all of the social medias. Obviously, if you're not already, um, we are on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're on, obviously, Libsyn, but that pushes us out to Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, and the like. So, uh, And if you are listening via iTunes, please leave us a review because that does make us more visible to more people. And even if you're not on iTunes, why don't recommend to a friend yeah and last of all obviously there's the blog retroramble.blog where we're publishing stuff all of the time and you can stream the episodes directly without any need for software just straight out of the webpage so uh, that's all for me I've been Charlie McGee I've been George McGee and we'll see you next time thanks a lot thanks bye bye architect I created the matrix and several popular video games including Cubert and Dick Duck I didn't create Frogger but I came up with the name for it can you believe they wanted to call it highway crossing frog it's the lamest thing I've ever heard of why am I here although the transport process has altered your consciousness you irrevocably remain human ergo concordantly vis-a-vis you know what i have no idea what the hell i'm saying i just thought it would make me sound cool